Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. February's read is Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. Spoiler alert, we usually end up discussing endings and key plot points. I'm Amy, and joining me today is Amanda, Teen Services Librarian at Kirkendall Public Library. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So for those who may not be familiar with this story, I just want to give you a brief summary of what you can expect if you're thinking about reading this. So if you love epic fantasy and don't mind, or maybe even really appreciate some dark undertones, I would definitely add this to the top of your list. It's a world inspired by pre-Columbian cultures, and there's some Polynesian cultural references in there. And I think it was just beautiful. It's a story told through four different perspectives, and those perspectives give us multiple sides of a conflict that we spend the entire novel leading up to, which builds this really great kind of climactic feeling. (laughs) And this is a conflict between a Carrion Crow God and a Sun Priest. It's suspenseful, foreboding, and magical. But before I continue gushing and before we get into it, I also just want to draw to our listeners and readers' attention that Rowan Horse's work is fairly controversial within Native communities with both vocal supporters and critics. Her critics do note that in past work, Rowan Horse draws from Dine stories, which they believe she does not have a right to share. If you're interested in reading more about this, there's a profile on the author from New York Magazine that I recommend. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Do you have initial thoughts, Amanda? I had so many thoughts. I loved this book. This was one that I'd heard so many good things about and it had been on my radar, but I also know it would have taken me forever to get to if I didn't have a specific reason to sit down and read it. So I am so glad that I had this specific reason to sit down and read it. I'm very excited to see that the second book should be coming out in a few months because I'm already ready to see where this story goes and waiting for anything beyond that is going to be extremely difficult. (laughs) Yes, agreed. Like I said in my intro, I just thought this was beautiful and amazingly well written from the point of view of somebody who's reading this and doesn't have a lot of reference points for these different cultures. And it just felt very rich. It did, yes. And I loved how the world building was detailed enough without getting kind of bogged down. And I will admit, I don't read as much fantasy as I would like to. And sometimes I think what I hesitate about is, is there going to be kind of too much that I have to figure out and too much that I have to wade through to really get to the story? And this did not do that. It set up the world in a beautiful way. And I knew kind of what was going on and where everyone was and how these pieces were working together, but not in a way that felt like too much and felt like, oh, I'm reading this three-page description of something that I didn't need three pages to describe. It was that perfect balance. And I really appreciated that. Yes. And there's like a balance also within the characters, I feel like. We have characters that are really haunted, but like somehow it doesn't feel overwhelmingly, I don't know, because there are sometimes where epic fantasy or even sci-fi feels all very like monochromatic, maybe not as much as fantasy. And like everything is just kind of claustrophobic almost. And like the characters can't breathe. And I thought that this 
was not that case. I adored the characters. I thought that they were so well-developed and so three-dimensional and just everyone was very human and very relatable. Even if there were characters that I liked more than others or didn't like as much, everyone just came across as very authentic. And I really enjoyed all of the different perspectives that the story was told through. Yes. Specifically, Serapio, of course. You say three-dimensional character and like, that's Serapio. I mean, the majority of them are that way as well, I feel like. But I just felt constantly conflicted with how I felt about him as a character because he's grown up in such a suppressed and painful environment. But he for sure sees himself. And there are other people in the world who see him as a hero and as this embodiment of a god. For our readers, Serapio has been brought up his whole life to be a vessel of a carrion crow god. So this whole book is leading up to this point of this god being able to inhabit his body to take revenge or justice, depending on the point of view that you're viewing this conflict from, for basically a massacre that occurred outside of this novel's purview called The Night of Knives. And the fact that he was kind of brought up in all this violence and has to be violent in order to kind of fulfill his role is just very interesting to me. And I don't know, what was your, did you see him as a hero or what was your take on that? I think that's a really interesting question. I certainly found myself liking him throughout reading and kind of understanding his story and realizing everything that he has been through to sort of train him and prepare him to be this vessel and just the way his journey is still going because he's still so young and he's still so naive. And as he's journeying towards this final conflict that he's going towards, there's all these things that he's experiencing for the first time and that he hasn't had a chance to see before. And so on the one hand, I'm appreciating that and understanding kind of that he still has so much to learn and so much to explore. And I really liked him. But at the same time, there are definitely things that he does or things that he's journeying towards doing that I do not know that I would describe as heroic. I know that he's doing these things for what he thinks are the right reasons. I think of, for instance, the moment of having the crows attack the rest of the crew on the ship that they're on, which is understandable, but is also a rather horrific scene. And so it's an interesting balance between this kind of sweet, naive, almost boy still, and this other side of him, this God character that he's carrying and that he's trying to become and that he is preparing for. Yes. Like you said, it was very horrific scene that they talk about, but it definitely in some ways like you want to be able to justify it for them but like that just like constant conflict and I think we see that in Shiala his companion on the boat the sea captain she also has just a lot of past which is very kind of violent so she is in this story her people are called Teak and there are a lot of rumors about their abilities and kind of their heritage in this world building that we see. And she is looked down upon as like basically subhuman in a lot of ways. And I don't know. I also just found her really fascinating and 
the interactions and like the depth of her character without getting bogged down in it was just wonderful. She was easily my favorite character from her first introduction. She's one of those kinds of characters that I'm generally drawn to. I really like strong female characters that are not perfect. They're definitely flawed and there are definitely things about them that you're going, why are you doing this? But at the same time, they're, as we see from her, inhabiting a very male-centered world and being able to kind of hold her own and figure out what she wants and be strong, but also have vulnerabilities. And from her first introduction, I was like, this is going to be my favorite character. And throughout the book, she very much remained that for me. (laughs) Yes. Like I said, there's some dark history there, but like she is just kind of, like you said, a pillar of strength. And like, I think that she kind of connects with Serapio in some ways during their journey and just their relationship. I feel like she could be really good for him in like a friend, close, confident kind of way. And I just want to see if that develops. Yes. Because <laughs> she ends up saving some of like her crew and then Serapio ends up like, you know, just decimating their crew as we talked about. And she also feels conflict and can see like the harm I think that has been done to him, even if she doesn't really know the extent of it and can relate to him. And they're both also outsiders. And I think that they connect in that way. I think a lot of her characters are very outside looking in kind of, or feel like they are outside. Yes. I'll go back really quick just to give some context. I think I've got some understanding from some things that I've read that she also has kind of a background where she feels very much an outsider to her communities that she does or doesn't belong to, depending on your point of view. And so I think that's definitely reflected here. But I think we always, or at least I always root for an underdog. So maybe that's why I'm connecting so much with these characters. Yes. Which then is interesting when you have kind of all of the characters that are an underdog in some way. And when they are in conflict with each other, you struggle to know who to root for because you really, throughout the course of the book, seeing and getting to know all of these people and understanding where all of them are coming from. So especially as we build to this conflict between Serapio and Naranpa, it's just kind of, I like both of them and I understand kind of where they're coming from and what they're trying to do and how all of this came to be. And yeah, getting to the end, it's like, I don't actually know what I want to happen because I can see both sides of this. Yes. And so Narampa is the sun priest, which is unusual for her as well, being that I believe we learn that it's not generally a position held by women in this culture. Is that correct? Do you remember that as well? I think partly that and also where she's from is what felt like this world's kind of wrong side of the tracks. She's from a kind of poor crime ridden sort of area. And at best she could expect to maybe be a servant in the building of where the priests reside. And so the fact that she actually becomes the sun priest is extremely unusual. And she's kind of fighting that stigma about her background the Mm -hmm. whole way through. I think you're right. I think that the socioeconomic thing was definitely higher. But I also want to state that these cultures that are kind of being built up in this world, they do seem a little more open as far as like their gender roles maybe aren't always specified as far as like 
it's not necessarily a straightforward patriarchal society, I should say. So it seems more matron driven because we've got our different clans that it sounds like are headed by matrons and like the Sky Maid, I believe is one of those clans. But it was all very interesting because we also see kind of woven very nicely into this story, genderqueer characters. And it seems like that's at least fairly common or at least accepted. I really appreciated that, that it just was in this world and there wasn't a big deal made about pronouns used or anything like that. It just, that's what it was and that's how it was presented. I really enjoyed that. There's also just the tension that's kind of built between finding all these characters who are kind of fighting for their place in a society that has its own struggles and the fact that we're simultaneously, we're seeing it through these characters' point of views, but we're seeing two characters, Narampa and maybe Okoa, who kind of isn't as integrated into the story yet. I'm wondering if his role will kind of increase in the next book. So Okoa is a prince of another clan, I think, that Okoa and Narampa are kind of trying to find a way to work together to create kind of peace. And then we've got this other group of people. So there's folks within that Carrion Crow clan or religion. I'm not 100% sure on the way that that's characterized in here. But, but anyway, so there's just like this tension that is kind of created along with this buildup to this kind of like big event that we know is going to happen and just the amount of tension that it provides. It reads more like a mystery thriller in some ways than just straight epic fantasy, which it does. Yes. I really enjoyed as well. And I think that helped, like you said, when it didn't feel quite so bogged with kind of lore and things that you can see in some epic fantasy. So if you're somebody who is dabbling in fantasy, this is definitely a great entry point. Yes. Okay. So there's one piece that I thought it was really important. It's actually just a piece from a philosophy that is taught at a war college that's kind of seen in the story. There will always be those who urge you to war, interrogate their objective. If you find that it is peace, then consider war as a means to an end. If their end is only more war, send them away. I just feel like speechless after reading something like that. <laughs> yes. And it seemed that this was kind of an axis that this whole book is kind of teetering on. The object of peace or war. And I just thought that summarized the whole conflict that we're seeing really well. It does. And I think what'll be really interesting moving forward with more books in this series is getting a little more of everyone's objectives. Because we've got a little bit and we've dabbled some in what everyone is working towards, but there are still characters and there are still people that we haven't fully got their final goals yet. And I'm looking forward to seeing how everything plays out and sort of what everyone is working towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a feeling that the next book will definitely have a shift in tone and kind of general feel since we've had so much action in this book. I, it just makes me 
really excited to see what's going to come. Well, with that, I will throw out some recommendations for folks. If you are looking for more books to add to your reading list after reading this and might want to try something in a similar vein, I've got A Snake Falls to Earth by Darcy Little Badger and Skin of the Sea by Natasha Bowen. Top two picks for after reading this. I'm definitely going to be jumping on the first one here pretty soon. So I'm excited for that. So I'll be back in March with Erin from North Liberty Library to discuss Milltown by Carrie Arsenault. Hope everybody will join us again. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me.